0: GC1BE91 is the name of the only extraterrestrial geocache on Earth. Not on Earth, I guess. The cache was launched from Kazakhstan in 2008 and lives aboard the International Space Station. So, it's up there, and there's not much to it. Just a few items in a locker. I've seen a picture of it. Um, if you happen to actually see GC1BE91, um, please do. Send us a picture or a selfie or something like that. And help them to consider a more interesting name for it. Anyway, um, if you're not familiar with it, geocaching is the rarefied sport hobby of putting small treasure troves in different locations. Usually they contain odds and ends, camping supplies, toys, and stuff. The fun is in the finding. Never anything real valuable in a geocache. And to me, as I've gotten older and experienced more in my walk with Christ and my walk with reading scripture... I've found that geocaching is probably one of the better metaphors for the way things have changed for me. So, I, I'm i one of these who was born on Saturday and in church on Sunday. I was, you know, I learned the books of the New Testament before I learned the alphabet, or how to count. Um, I was pretty much just always in church, probably born in a pew, Um, I was in Awana, I was in youth group, I was in college group, I was in singles group, I was in young marrieds group, I was in everything. And honestly, I've I've read so much scripture over so much time that some of the paths got a little worn, and they got a little well-traveled, and I got a little, yeah, 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 I know that story. Okay, yeah, mm mm-hmm, whatever. But as I pressed into the scripture itself... Through seminary, through good books, through good teachers, I found that there's these little treasures, and that's all I can think of to call them. These little treasures of language, of uh, interpretation, of culture, of historical background, that help me to see put the treasure hunting back in my relationship with Scripture. And so I'm calling this geocaching Scripture, and it's these little tiny treasures that you can find as you read Scripture. And I want to take these out of the sort of like eggheady, boring, dusty libraries where they spend most of their time and put them in the hands of regular Bible readers who love the Word and love the Lord. And that's that's kind of where we are. So like geocaching, they made a familiar trail into something new, and they brought new dimension to stuff I'd read or heard preached on about a dozen times, and that's enough introduction, so let's get digging. I'll introduce myself quickly, uh, my name is Josh McDonald, it's not Josh McDowell, if you would like to think of me as Josh McDowell and that makes you um, share this podcast and listen to it and and give some sort of credence to it that I haven't earned, that's fine, um, pure coincidence of the last name and the first name, so anyway, Josh McDonald, Jericho, Hamburger, there we go, um, I uh, broadcast to you from a blanket fort, I feel like that's important to know, Um I hide from my kids in a closet with a blanket over my head while I do this, and uh, that helps with the noise because I don't have a studio, Um, and it also helps me to be able to hide from my kids. So the word from the blanket for today is snow. Um, I live in Wisconsin, and Wisconsin is one of few places where you have to snow blow and then rake. Uh, Let's see. Credentials. I went to Regent College in Vancouver, British Columbia. Um, I have been a hospital chaplain, I have been a senior pastor, I am a PK, I did some time in a fundamentalist college, um, I've done it all when it comes to church, I am, I am an inveterate church mouse. Anyway, let's dig in today. One of my favorite stories from a friend of mine um, that I love to retell and tell and probably get wrong is about his aunt who was this uh, suburban New Englander who taught French so, we're we're talking, like, very much, uh, you know, lives in the mountains, quiet life, fireplaces, all that stuff. She went to Washington, D.C. one time for some reason, and she got lost on the subway. This is not a good thing to do in Washington, D.C. It is an especially bad thing to do at night, which is the time that she chose to do it. So, there she is, completely lost, on the subway, and in the middle of the night, and she gets off on a station she doesn't recognize, and there's an old man standing there, and he says... Ma'am, you are at the wrong subway station. And walks her right back on the train. Probably saved her life. Probably saved her life. Was she in direct danger? No. But she was in danger. She was in the wrong place. And that's what it looks like as we come to um, John chapter 4, where we're reading about the woman at the well, which is one of my favorite pieces of scripture. John chapter 4, starting in verse 5. So he came to the town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour, which means it was noon. It was about high noon there. And John is a master of atmospheric detail. I heard it said, and I'm not exactly sure where this comes from. I'll have to credit it at some point but that the Bible authors never wasted ink. The Bible authors never wasted ink. So they include these details, and these are one of those geocaches you have to press into. Look in the book of John, where it's dark, where it's light. That usually means there is something going on, something that he is trying to hint at. One of the most heartbreaking verses in the book of John is Judas got up from the table and went out, and it was night, and it was night the dark, the confusion, the crazy, the evil, the chaos. But here we have Jesus at high noon, the sixth hour, sitting there, and a woman comes up to the well. And of course, she was a Samaritan. Now we have the differences between the Samaritans and the Jews. And that is something that uh, much more capable commentators than myself have talked about quite a bit. Google it, you'll find like 25 pages of different things. The Samaritans were considered by the Jews to be sort of half-breeds. They had this uh, different set of religious beliefs and some different, different ethnic lines and some different stories, but it intersected with uh, classic Judaism of the day to a certain point and then sort of veered off on its own. And the Israelites and the Samaritans had parted ways quite a bit before, so this is There's full of details here from John where he says things like the Jews and the Samaritans did not share vessels. Um, they did not congregate with each other. They didn't talk to each other. They certainly didn't intermarry. Um, and there was hostility between them. So in a sense, it's like this New England lady who has walked off the subway in the dark into the wrong neighborhood. And Jesus is kind of in the wrong neighborhood. But of course, Jesus is never in the wrong neighborhood. Verse 7, he sits down and he says to her, Give me a drink. Give me a drink. Give me a drink. Fascinating little exchange here, and one that is one of those geocaches. Easy to just walk by. Um, For me, I always thought Jesus was being a little bit rude. Um, Give me a drink. Hey, lady, give me a drink. But at the time, this is what you said. You sat down, you could be at a well, and a man could definitely say to a woman... Give me a drink. It was not considered rude. It was just part of the culture at the time. And Jesus says it, but he says it to a Samaritan woman. At that, a Samaritan woman with a checkered moral background. And he says, give me a drink, which means you are in my culture. You are one of mine. I am you. I am one of you. You are one of me. Give me a drink. Like he would say to any Jewish woman standing there, And he says it to this woman, who is the outcast. And then he tells her her life story, and we know that. You know that Jesus says, go back and tell your husband what you've seen. And she says, I have no husband. And he says, yes, that is true. You've been married five times, and the man you're with right now is not your husband. So this checkered moral background. Jesus is crossing all these different lines. And part of the issue here is that she is coming to the well at high noon to avoid the other women in the village, to avoid the gossip and the whispers and the derision against her. And then Jesus meets her there. He meets her there at high noon, when the sun is out, when it's fully light. And for John, of course, that means something very important. This is Jesus' longest one-on-one conversation with anyone. There's not another human being that Jesus talks to for this long. And it's this woman, and nobody sees it. They're alone. This is not in front of everyone. This is not a teachable moment out in front of the crowds. This is just Jesus talking to someone. And you take a G- the geocache here, one of them, is that you can step back and see this conversation compared to the one just before it and after it, the one just before it, Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. If you read that over again, that's, that includes John 3.16, one of the most famous verses in the New Testament. Jesus to Nicodemus, he is confrontational, abrasive, and very like dogmatic in his teaching. You are the teacher of Israel. You don't know these things. He's challenging to him. The conversation right after it, Jesus and the centurion, the centurion who has a a servant who needs to be healed, Jesus says, go home, he's healed. Probably three words in Greek, three words in Greek and Aramaic, that he says to this man, almost dismissively, this is a religious leader, this is a political military leader, if Jesus wanted to win friends and influence people, these are the people he should talk to, and here he takes his longest conversation. With a woman who is a member of a cult. Shacking up with her boyfriend. Multiply divorced. And this is Jesus at high noon. And this is who Jesus spends his time with. And at the end, of course, we see he says to her, Go out and tell your people. Go out and talk to your people about me. Tell them what you have seen. Tell them what you have seen. This is the first Missionary appointment in John the first missionary appointment in this whole gospel is this broken person So that is Jesus at high noon that is where Jesus spends his time Do we spend our time like that? Do we spend our time and our energy with influential people? Or do we spend our time and energy with forgotten people? And I'll quit preaching because we're geocaching we're not preaching so shh anyway thanks for listening that's josh here from the blanket fort snow outside talk to you soon pax cheers